You're listening to a sermon from Tyler Christian Fellowship in Tyler, Texas. Find us on the web at tcftyler.com or send us an email, tcftyler at gmail.com. Because the Lord always wants to, to minister to people that are seeking Him. Um, and so you just make yourself at home this morning. Um, if you've come in this morning, whether you're new to us or not, uh, and you're um, hurting, um, the presence of the Lord is the best place of healing. So just enjoy the presence of the Lord this morning. Don't feel like you have to do anything um, except just say yes to Him. Just respond to Him. Um, we are continuing, uh, or actually we're concluding our series um, on our mission uh, our vision statement, uh, which is uh, represented by uh, the letters T-R-A-C-K, and um, <clears throat> we've been uh, doing this for, this is the fifth week uh, of this series, and um, we are today, let me see where we go with this, I made such a fancy uh, presentation that I myself don't even know what's coming next, so, until I see it. So we, we've, we've uh, talked about touching lives, reaching families, affecting our city, and changing our world. And this week we're talking about uh, with the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And um, the way that we touch lives is with the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The way that we reach families is with the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The way that we affect our city is with the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And there's only one thing that's going to change our world, and that's the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So what we're talking about today is the last one. Um, in the uh, series, but it runs through the whole thing. It's the, it's the essence of the whole thing. And I have a lot to share uh, this morning uh, on the subject, and um, I want to make sure that I get through all of it. So, um, I'm sorry, how about the, uh, this still? That's better now than at the end of the service. So, and it's, uh, it's represented by the cross, and that's, the, uh, that's where we're going with this this morning. That's going to be where we conclude, um, is the cross. But first, um, the uh, key scripture, the scripture that I chose for today, um, is from John chapter 17, verse 3. The, I am just blown away by this child that is so vocal this morning. Isn't this awesome? Uh, seriously, man, like when David was saying, you know, if you want to express something to the Lord, she never stopped. Is that... Naomi, yeah, she never stops. She's like, so that is so awesome. If that bothers you, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm loving it this morning. So uh, let's just uh, embrace it and, uh, and enjoy it and just trust that that's going to be a lifelong ambition of hers is to be uh, lifting up the praises of Jesus. Even, be- even before, like, I think the only intelligible thing that I heard her say was Dada. Is that right? That's where we start, isn't it? So um, I've chosen uh, John chapter 17, uh, verse 3, as our uh, key scripture, um, our foundational scripture this morning. And this is from the um, the Last Supper, and this is from the high priestly prayer time, and also, uh, actually Jesus is talking to the Father at this point, which is a prayer, but it's just like a, you know, it's an ongoing instruction to his disciples, and he's speaking to them, and he's speaking to to the Father in the presence of the disciples, and he says this one thing, and the, when I first read this scripture, um, after I had been filled with the Spirit, and this happens a lot of times um, when the Spirit is active in your life, it's like you read something, it just goes off in your heart like a bomb, you know? 
And this just went off in my heart like a bomb because we wonder about this so much. And it's really so simple. And Jesus says this, and he says, This is eternal life, that they know you and the, on, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And I, I just want to pause and pray right now um, for the time that we have uh, together today. Heavenly Father, open our, our hearts um, today, Lord. I know that you're sharing things with us that many of us have heard before. Um, but today, Lord, it's a preceding word from you to us. And I just pray that we would hear it, Lord, and that we would embrace it and that we would apply it to our lives, Lord, because this world does need people who know you, Lord, sharing that knowledge uh, with the world. And, uh, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Um, sorry. Um, so, eternal life um, is to know Him. That's, what, that's what, uh, the, uh, what Jesus is saying here. I just think that that's such a simple, um, instructive, perceptive statement that He's using there. He says eternal life is to know you. Have you ever wondered, you know, number one, what life is all about, and then ever wondered what happens to us after we die? Because we talk about eternal life, which means that it's more than just the life that we live here on earth, that there's much, 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 much more to come. And what is that going to be like? And I think what Jesus is saying there is that the real essence of life, it's not living and breathing and seeing and, you know, and all the stuff that we do in this physical body, but it's more than that. And what it is, is knowing God. And what is eternal life going to be after we're gone from here? What it's going to be is knowing Him. Now, if that doesn't blow your mind right there, that's just an indication that we have something more to learn because knowing Him is what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Problem is that we have different levels of knowing, right? So if somebody asked me, um, do you know uh, Jason Garrett? Then I would say, you know who Jason Garrett is? You better, okay. We got something to talk about. Who's Jason Garrett, David? Best coach in the NFL, Best coach in the NFL right? <laughs> and coach of the best team of the NFL. All right, I didn't want to, I'm not trying to start something this morning. I'm just, making a, I'm just making a statement. So do I know Jason Garrett? Well, the answer is yes. I know of Jason Garrett. I know who he is. So on some really superficial level, I know Jason Garrett. But look, I know Jason Garrett a little bit more than that, okay? So I want to tell you what that, what that is all about. When my son Josh was in the hospital at Children's uh, Medical Center, um, Jason Garrett was the backup quarterback for the Cowboys. And he used to come up there, and I'm, I don't know if he still does this or not, man, but I'm a fan of that guy from that day on. He used to come up there and just walk the halls in Children's medical center and stop in and talk to kids and stop to, and, and talk to their parents. And he did this like we were up there for, I don't know, months. And I saw him, I think I saw him like three or four times, just up there, unannounced, unaccompanied. Um, he had, um, uh, he had uh, team pictures that he carried around with him and he was giving out these team pictures. So like the rest of the story is, is that my son was a Stars fan. And uh, when, uh, when the Stars were up there and the Cowboys were up there, 
Um, Mike Madonna, who's like the greatest, one of the Dallas Stars hockey team that's ever played, um, he called the Cowboys the Cowgirls. That's the way he referred to them, I know. Um, and Josh thought that was so funny, and he always referred to the Cowboys as the Cowgirls. Um, but Jason Garrett stopped by a couple of times when I was there, and Josh was just completely unimpressed with Jason Garrett. He was just like, can I, you know, I, you know, can I just talk to you for a few minutes? And Josh is like, well, yeah, okay. You know, I mean, he's a kid, and he can, you know, just doesn't, didn't have all his social skills fully developed. Um, but, uh, but Jason Garrett, like one time when he stopped in, you know, he was just like, um, do, would you like something? Like, could I, could I give you something or something like that? And um, he, he said, uh, I, I could tell you some stories, you know, about Aikman and Irving. Like, he was going to talk about somebody else that might appeal to Josh because he was just a backup quarterback at that time. And Josh was like, no, not really. And so uh, Jason was like, well, I've got these team pictures. You know, would you like a, a signed team picture? And Josh said, no, not really. <laughs> I was just like, so I know, if you ask me, do I know Jason Garrett? I know some about Jason Garrett, okay? Josh uh, Rucker, on the other hand, knows Staubach and, um, and uh, Aikman. So he's had his picture taken with him. Actually, I think Sawyer had his picture taken with him, and Josh was just standing in the, <laughs> horning in on the picture, like <laughs> hugging up to Roger Staubach. So if you ask me, do I know Jason Garrett, my answer is yes on some level. If you ask me, do you know Caleb Canal, that's a different thing, isn't it? In fact, if somebody says, do you know Jason Canal, what's my answer going to be? A Jason Canal. No, I don't know Jason Canal. Good, you caught that. That was a trick. <laughs> so if you, if you ask me if I know Caleb Canal, then my answer is going to be, he's my son. See, now that's a completely different level. If, it's like, if you mean, was I there when he was born? If you mean, did I change some diapers of his? If you mean, did I teach him to ride a bike? You know, if you mean, do, by saying, do you know him, does that mean that I was here when he proposed to Emily? If you're saying, do I know him, I'm like, yes. That's a deep, that's a different, it's still the same word we're using, but it's a completely different experience of it. Let me give you one more. You say, if you say, do you know Becky Zoller? Because you see, my relationship with her is defined by the fact that she's not called Becky Zoller anymore. She's called Becky Canal. And the reason why she's called Becky Canal is because I'm in a covenant relationship with her. And yes, I do know her. Although I get in trouble sometimes by saying that I know her, and she's like, you have no idea who I am. <laughs> Just when you think you've got it down. Right? So even though I know her in a, in a covenant way, um, in, a, in, a, uh, in a marriage way, in a relationship way. And listen, the covenant relationship is the deepest relationship than there is, that there is. There's, that's a sharing of lives. That's not just an agreement between us or just a friendship between us, but it goes down to my life and her life together. Yesterday we had um, a wedding uh, with Bethany and David um, Mendoza, and in that ceremony it's it's like I'm always choked up at weddings because it's such a, a watershed event nothing after nothing in life is going to be the same 
after that. And it's all based on two people standing there facing each other and saying, I take you to be my wife. I take you to be my husband. And it's, and it's like, from now on, I'm not just me, I'm we. And we're not just we, we're one. And in that way, knowing Becky that way, that's a, that's a completely another level of knowing somebody. Yet I don't fully know her, and, by, and I'm not really fully uh, known. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12 says, For we see in a, dim, uh, in a mirror dimly, uh, but then face to face, now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And that's the other part of knowing something or someone, is not just knowing about them and not just knowing something, you know, knowing who they are, but really truly knowing them. But the other side of that is being known by them. You see, that's what it, when Jesus said, um, this is eternal life to know you, you remember the story that Jesus told about, was it the sheep and the goats? or the? Um, I think it was the sheep and the goats. And, uh, and, and they said all of these things, like, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we flow in all the gifts of the Spirit? Didn't we do great miracles in your name? And what did Jesus say to them? They thought they knew Him. But the proof that they didn't know Him is that He didn't know them. So to know and be fully known is really to know. And that's what I want to talk about um, today. There's three different ways um, to know. Different, different uh, levels of knowing. The first is intellectually, to know in somebody or something uh, intellectually. Um, and this is by stories or by, I don't know, YouTube videos or whatever. You can know on that level. Um, and this is uh, a good example of this is um, the story of the one woman of Samaria when Jesus was with the woman at the well and he had this incredible conversation uh, with her that should never have occurred on so many different levels. Um, first of all, it was like not recognized as even been likely that they would even have a conversation. And secondly, that it was infused with so much supernatural understanding and power that it's like very few conversations are like this. And it lit her up, man. I mean, she, she left her water bucket and she ran back into the city that she had probably been looked down upon and judged and, and, uh, and marginalized in that city. And the first thing that she did is run back in that city and say, you guys, come see, come see this guy. Come see this guy that's told me my life story. And they all come out. And they come out to see something they don't really know what they're seeing. All they know is that this woman is beside herself and there's got to be something out here to see. And they, and they came out and they saw him and they talked to him and he stayed with them for, I think, three days or something. That's another thing that you get from reading through the Bible is like, instead of reading it like you know the story, did you know he stayed in that city for three days? They wouldn't let him go. The Jews were trying to kill him. The Samaritans couldn't get enough of him. And at the end of that time, they said, we came out to see him because of what you said, but now we have seen him ourselves, and we believe. That's the first one. Intellect, you know intellectually, and it moves directly to experientially, to know him experientially. 1 John chapter 1, 1 says, um, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. 
which we have which was from the beginning and which we have heard and which we have seen with our eyes. And if they're just speaking as the Jews, this is all true because from the very beginning God was revealing Himself in the Word, in Jesus Christ. From the very beginning God wanted to be known and so He was revealing Himself through the Word, through the prophets, through the Scriptures, um, through, the, you know, through Israel. He was making Himself known. He said, from the, He was from the beginning and we have heard. And then He said, we have seen. Because uh, at the Last Supper, they were saying, show us the Father. And Jesus said, if you've seen Me, you've seen God. Do you not get this yet? If you're looking at Me, you're looking at God. And they said, we have seen Him. And He says, we have handled Him. With our own hands, we have handled Him. And He has handled us. Concerning the Word of Life. To know experientially and then to know relationally. Galatians 4.6 says, and this we know Him as our Father, and because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And then as Lord, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant which has been enacted on better promises. So we know him as Father and we also know him as Lord. Father is that, that um, basic seminal relationship that we have. And our basic seminal relationship is no longer with our earthly fathers, but it is with God the Father through Jesus Christ. And then as Lord. You can know about Him, but if He's not Lord of your life, then you don't really know Him. You don't really know who He is, and He is not to you who He needs to be to you. So we can dabble in religion, and we can dabble in uh, theology. Lots of people study in theology that don't know Jesus Christ. It just, it, it's just the way that it is. Lots of people in church that are associating themselves you know, and think that they're in. They think that they're part of the church. But just being in church doesn't mean that you're in relationship with Him as your Lord. Right? Everybody that's in church is not a Christian, a believer. I mean, I was in my garage this morning. I'm not a car. I'm there, but I'm not, right? And just because you're here doesn't mean and the only way that you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, understand, this is basic for some of us. Some of this, this is just a review. If you've experienced this, man, you love reviewing stuff like this, right? If you have never experienced this, and I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you this morning, that he doesn't just want to be a subject to be studied. He doesn't just want to be a, a story to be listened to. He wants to be in right relationship with you, and that means that He's Lord. That means that He's in control. That means that He is the boss. That means that if He tells you to do something, it's not expendable. It's not like, you know, maybe I will and maybe I won't. If He's your Lord, then He leads you. That's what it means when you put yourself in His hands and give your heart to Him and call Him Lord, make Him the Lord of your life. Go for it, man. And this is what we touch lives with. This is what we uh, reach families with. 
This is what we affect our city with, and this is what we bring transformation to our world with. Becoming the source of knowledge and demonstration of Christ. And we become the source of knowledge and demonstration of Christ in three ways, just like we, we talked about how do you know somebody or know something, we also become the source of knowledge in the same way. First of all, uh, how do we share the knowledge of Jesus Christ? First of all, intellectually. Um, your knowledge of Him. That's what the woman in the well did with the, with the um, city. And that's a great, that's a great um, model um, for evangelism. Somebody that's lit up because of Jesus Christ. And you know what, I think it's so um, unfortunate that a lot of people, when they first meet him, are lit up by, like that, and then after they walk with him for a while, they kind of cool down. They, it kind of becomes, you know, like taken for granted. Like, well, yeah, you know, it's this, and, you know, it's like Israel going into the promised land and God doing all these miracles, and how long did they stay faithful to God? Like, you know, a week, a couple of months, you know, and then suddenly they needed to start supplementing that with some other, you know, uh, idols that they found in the land. And God's, God's like, I don't get you guys. Seriously. Who, who has seen somebody exchange their worship of a living God for a dead thing that they made? They know they made it. They made it. It wasn't, it did, it's not eternally existent. They carved it. Carved it. They, you know, it's their work. They know that it's their work. It's the work of their hands. And God says, who has ever heard of this? And yet, sometimes we can do that, can't we? We can go from being lit up to being kind of okay with it. And it loses its edge, and it loses its impact, and, it, and, and the identity becomes diluted by a lot of other things. I read something really sad in, uh, in reading through the Bible this, um, this week, um, and I'm in 2 uh, Kings, we're in 2 Kings, and uh, it says something like um, Israel uh, went, uh, went after um, the false gods as, had, is, as was their custom. So it became part of their custom to worship these other gods. Yeah, God, they weren't totally denying God. He's got his place, but they need all these other niche gods to kind of fill in the blanks. And all that does is dilute your relationship with Jesus Christ. It does not enhance it. It doesn't, it doesn't improve it in any way. Your knowledge. When, um, after Jesus died, um, you remember that they spent a couple of days locked up in the upper room until the, until the uh, day of Pentecost had come? Well, not until the day of Pentecost, until Jesus appeared to them. So they spent a couple of days, you know, afraid. Why did they have the doors locked? What are they afraid of? They're afraid of the Jews because they saw what the Jews were, could do. They, they, they saw, you know, that these people had blood uh, in their eye, and, and they were coming after him. And so they had the door locked until Jesus appeared to them, and then after Jesus appeared to them, there was no more locked doors. They're not afraid anymore. Why? Because, like, he's alive, you know? In greater measure than he ever was before. And he had risen from the dead, and so if you got that guy on your side, who are you going to be afraid of, right? But the Sanhedrin didn't get that. The Jewish authorities didn't get that. And, and, uh, and they were still after them. And so after Jesus had risen from the dead, and even after um, the day of Pentecost, they were, like, they were after these guys. And the Sanhedrin arrested them, uh, James and John, I think it was, or maybe it was Peter and James and John, and they brought them in and they were, you know, they were grilling them, you know, just going after them about this stuff. And what, remember what it said about them? What the Sanhedrin perceived? 
that these were unlearned men and that they had what? The knowledge of Jesus Christ, the personal knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it dawned on me some time back that when it said that they had been with Jesus, they had been with Jesus that day. Even though Jesus is risen from the dead and ascended into heaven, yeah, they had just come from the presence of Jesus. They're standing in the presence of the, of the Sanhedrin, having just been with Jesus in a very real way, and in the New Testament way. Not His physical presence anymore, but something so much more powerful, what we have at our you know, privilege to be able to enter into, is to be with Him that day. So your knowledge, that's what we're sharing uh, with the world, that we have to share with the world. And even if you are unlearned, you still have something powerful to share. You need to be able to relate what happened to you. The power of narrative. Something happens. Let me, just, let me tell you a story, okay? I'm not actually going to tell you a story. I just wanted you to kind of experience what happens when somebody says, let me tell you a story. Your brain goes into a different, a totally different level of um, attention, but a di an expectation of something that's coming. And every one of us needs to be able to do that. Every one of us needs to be able to tell our story. And it's not just something that pops. It, you have to, listen, you have to make a narrative out of things. You, you got the raw material in the experiences that you've had, but what does it mean? And how can you relate it to somebody in a way that they will understand it and that they will be drawn to it? We have to learn, you have to learn how to tell your story. And the parts of a story, if you've been to, you know, English class in, you know, in junior high or high school, you know that there's certain parts to a story. There's the beginning... There's the um, crisis, there's the climax, and then there's the resolution. In your life, it was what I was before I met Jesus Christ. What drew me to Him? What, 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 what was I involved in? You know? Maybe I was drinking so much that I was ruining my marriage and destroying my relationship with my kids. That's the crisis that comes. And how does that resolve? I gave my heart to the Lord. I cried out to God in the midst of my desperation. And he heard me. And he delivered me from alcohol, but it was so much more than that. He delivered me into his kingdom. He showed me how to walk in a way that I never thought that I could. You see what I'm saying? You need to learn how to tell your story. Not that story, your story. And if somehow in the back of your mind you're thinking, well, I don't really have a story, you've got a story. You do. And it's compelling and it's powerful. And you need to learn how to, how to share that. It's, it's every one of our responsibility if we're going to share the knowledge of Jesus Christ, just like the woman at the well. You need to be able to relate two things. First of all, you need to relate what happened to you. And secondly, and maybe this is most important, you need to be able to relate what you believe happened to you. Because when I bowed my head and I prayed the prayer and I asked Jesus into my heart, I, phys I, I experienced something but something happened in the Spirit that I had to do some study to figure out what that meant. Do you see what I'm saying? It's my own experience, but I was experiencing this in a state of ignorance. It wasn't, it wasn't until after I had begun to learn and been discipled and been taught that I realized what had happened. And something had happened there that I didn't physically or you know, immediately experience, I learned about. And you need to be able to relate both of those things as it's called on to do that.
And then finally, I'm sorry, intellectually, uh, your firsthand experience, and then I'm going to conclude with this. Um, you need to be able to understand, and this is where I was going with that, that you, have to, you need to be able to, to uh, relate what you believe happened. And what you believe happened has everything to do with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. And, and uh, this is um, Paul um, writing to the uh, Corinthians. And he said, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Just give me one minute and then we'll go. And th like that one song that you just taught us this morning, I can't think of a better one. The, no, the one that you taught us. The, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, I'm just blown away. I'm just sitting there blown away. Because we, we don't talk about, like, the, the song set. But so often that song set, as I'm singing along, knowing where I'm going, it's just God saying, okay, you know, see, we're, we're here, you know, which is awesome. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.2, 2, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And what Paul is writing to the um, Corinthians is he's, he's just bringing them back to the simplicity of the gospel. We can get so caught up in all these other things. We can get so, you know, you know, ratcheted up and all of this. And the fact is, is that this is, is accessible to everybody, intellectually, emotionally. I sought to know nothing among you. When Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they know you and Jesus Christ whom you have sent, this is Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is the essence of Jesus Christ, is the cross. And understanding that. And knowing that in, the, in your heart of hearts. I know the story, but it blows me away every time that it penetrates my heart or presents itself before me. And listen, we're going we're to spend eternity knowing Him. And we're going to spend eternity knowing him in the context of the lamb that was slain. So his scars, his wounds, they're going to endure forever. Those are not things that he's going to heal up from. Are you with me? Because those scars speak of something that identifies him. He's a great teacher. He's an awesome man. He did many wonders and miracles and all of that but it's his hands and his feet and his side that identify who he is. And that is the good news. That is the new covenant. And that is what we have to share to a lost and dying world. This is the good news, the new covenant, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You can only fully know Jesus Christ, not through His teaching or His miracles, but through the cross. We, and again, we have lost the sense of scandal that that implies. We have lost the sense of scandal that that implies. Who would sit still? We want, I want to share my faith with somebody. Who would sit still to listen to me talk about Jesus Christ being crucified? Paul talks about it being strong meat. This is strong meat. This is that our Savior came and He didn't come to conquer the Romans and He didn't come to uh, rule the world, but He came to serve the world by being cursed on a tree. 
And it's, it's a horrific death, physically. But if there's ever anything that you want to, to expunge your name, erase your name from history, it's dying like that. As a condemned man in the worst possible way that God says everybody that hangs on a tree. God says everybody that hangs on a tree is accursed. And that's what Jesus did. And that's what He did for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 1, uh, I mean, chapter 1, verse 23, it says, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. Galatians 6 14 says, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. 1 Corinthians, 1, um, 1 Corinthians 2 um, 1 and 2. And I, when I come to you, came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. That's the way the gospel was being preached. And listen, there were people that were honest to goodness believers and preachers of the gospel that were off. They were not fully off, and Paul's job was not to weed out all of the people you know, that that weren't doing it exactly like him. But he said, you can listen to these guys. They'll come into town with all of their, you know, flowery sermons and, and all of that. And he said, I came for power. He came for two things. He came to preach the simplicity of the cross and he came to demonstrate it in power. That's all he had. That's not all he used to do. At one time, he assembled a whole bunch of people on Mars Hill and, you know, and, and went through the whole... I'm not saying there was anything wrong with that. I'm saying that when he comes to this point in his ministry, he says it's very simple. I'm just simply preaching that Jesus Christ, though he was in the form of God, didn't consider uh, equality with God something to be held onto. He started by saying... Did you read this today? He started by saying, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And he wasn't lofty and he wasn't exalting himself. And he he emptied himself. And not only did he empty himself, he came to earth and was born in a barn. I've known some poor people. I've never known anybody born in a barn. I'm sure there are people born in a barn, but you've got to admit, that's pretty low on the social scale, right? Born in a cattle trough. And he lived his whole life basically in obscurity. Close to the end of his life, he began to get some fame, but that fame was not what he was after. After Peter declared, you're the Messiah, Jesus charged them to do what? Don't tell anybody. Where he could have had an international ministry at that point. These guys got it first. He's the Messiah. They could have gone to all the cities in, uh, in Israel and com- proclaimed that, the, that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. He said, don't tell them that. Don't tell anybody that. Why? Because there was one thing that he came to do and he didn't want anything to prevent him from doing that. And that's the scandal of the cross. And if he'd have gathered more crowds to himself, we saw what happened when he gathered those crowds to himself. Listen to me. All I'm saying to you is there's a way that seems right to you and there's a way that is right. And the way that is right is the way of the cross. What does that mean to you? I don't know. I don't know what it means to you. I know what it means to me. It means when I think about Jesus Christ, I am humbled by His love. 
was demonstrated in not, not defending himself, but embracing the will of God for him, regardless of what that involves. I'm humbled by that, and I so want to be like him in that. Listen, if you want to be mature in your faith, how many, don't, you don't raise your hand, but in your heart, how many want to be mature in their faith? How many, how many want to be the real deal, not just presenting a face to the world? How many don't want to just be in the church, but want to be the church? And if that's what you want, the way to it is through the cross. There's a lot of other things that, that may follow after that, but there's only one way. There's only one way. And that is the life of self-denial, taking up your cross and following Him. I can't explain it any better than that. I wish I could. I wish I could. But I guarantee you, man, if you will seek the Lord concerning this, He will open up the wonders of heaven to you. And then you will think, if I get to look at Him for all eternity and that's all I get to do, that's going to be awesome. There's nothing better. I can't imagine anything better. As, wor- as I was worshiping today, and, and we can, you can come. As I was worshiping today, I was thinking about this. So, like, uh, I know what's going to happen. At least there's some things that the book of Revelation is clear on. You know, what heaven's going to be like. And it's going to be, apparently it's going to be something like a city that's 1,200 miles, you know, a cube of 1,200 miles, and it's going to come down to earth, and he's going to live there. So this is like, this is a physical description of a physical reality. This is not a spiritualized thing. So think about that. There's this 1,200-mile cube that's going to come down someplace on the earth, probably, you know, in the promised land, probably there, because I know it's God's favorite spot. Um, and, and, and it'll come down, and then he will live there, and he will rule, and he will reign from there. But listen, what about the rest of the universe? Just think about that for a minute. This God, he's not just the God of earth. He's the God of the whole thing. And what is that, what, what is that, this little, as it's been called, the little blue spot, what will it mean then? If the God of the universe lives here and we live here with Him. And this becomes not just one other little planet out there floating around in space, but the center of the universe. And why is that? You can describe heaven in a lot of different ways by what's not there. The only way to describe it is what is there, and it's Him. It's Him. Let's stand together today. Hallelujah. Let's sing this together. We'll sing. We'll sing your praise. We'll sing your praise. We'll sing your praise forever. We'll lift your name. We'll lift your name. Jesus over all. We'll sing your praise. We'll sing your praise, we'll sing your praise forever. We'll lift your name, we'll lift your name, Jesus. So let's sing it together. We'll sing your praise, we'll sing your praise, we'll sing your praise forever. We'll lift. Your name will 
there was a, a, a time, Lord, where um, you healed um, somebody and you said it was like scales fell from their eyes. Um, oh God, how we need that. How we need that just surgery that only your hand can perform upon us, Lord. Help us to see you. Yes, Lord. Help us to know you. Know you in a covenant sense. In the new covenant sense. To know you, Lord, based on the value that you place on that covenant. Based on the value that we know that we are based on the price that you paid for us, which is the cross. Help us to know you in that way, Lord. That even your closest friends here on earth never really grasped until they saw it firsthand. We want to see it firsthand. We want to know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering, being conformed to the image of your death that we might attain to the resurrection from the dead. We want to know you, Lord. believe that the Lord is saying no matter what you came in burdened with this is the key to what you're burdened with right now knowing him and it may be hard but turn your attention away from those things that are just crying out for your attention right now put your attention just forcefully put your attention where it belongs and where the, the only place that it all makes sense and that's the knowledge of Jesus Christ and the fellowship of his suffering and being conformed to his death that we might attain to the resurrection from the dead. And finally, Lord, I pray for us, Lord, at, at the end of this um, series on mission and vision for Tyler Christian Fellowship, Lord, I pray for us, Lord Jesus, that the treasure that we would have is this knowledge, this covenant knowledge of you, that we would know it first ourselves, but that that's what we would seek to share with other people, Lord. Not all the flowery things that we think we need to say, but just a heart of compassion that connects to somebody and instills into them something of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Help us to be like the woman of Samaria, Lord, who didn't understand it all, but she knew what had happened to her, and she shared it with them, and they came out based on what she said, but they saw it firsthand too, Lord. Help us as TCF to be that, to our neighbors, to our friends, to the places that we work, schools that we go to, Lord. Yes. Every interaction that we have. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and you're dismissed this morning. <laughs>